0: guys, it's Lori. This episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Check them out at csbible.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 169, The Gifts of Rejection.
0: Yes, hello, and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast, where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone, every day. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and my co-host, Matt, can't join us. It's been a lot of weeks in a row, and I miss him. I mean, I see him every day, but I miss him on this show, and I know you guys do, too. But we still have, thank you very much, the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. I am glad you're here. Don't you miss Matt?
1: I do. I,
0: I know, right?
1: Well, and I don't live with him. Yeah. So, but I am going to get together with him.
0: I know. Soon. He's very looking forward to yeah, The Hang. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, today, I am really looking forward to talking today about rejection. Yes, I am. I put the question mark sound at the end there because it's rejection. Uh, but I really like digging into the tough things, if you couldn't tell already, but we do that so that we can uncover it and unpack ways that we can thrive and really um, just just really lean into the Lord more together, whether we are dating, or married and the person we're bringing on today her name is kate Warman, and she is a dating coach and she's going to talk about some of her experiences in the dating world she's going to talk about sexual shame and how that can factor into self-rejection and i really pray and hope and believe that even engaging something such as it sounds really sad like rejection that we're going to encourage you to take the next step to see that you are chosen and loved by god Whether or not, well, really, when the world rejects you, God never does. Before we do dive into the conversation, I wanted to remind you of how much your ratings and reviews mean to us. If you enjoy this content, would you consider taking a minute of your time to rate and review it and then maybe share it with a friend? We really, we read them and we appreciate them and it really helps to get the word out when you share about it. Oh, guys, I am so excited to introduce you to Kate Warman. She is the author of Thank You for Rejecting Me, as well as an inspirational speaker a popular relationship coach, and the host of the Heart of Dating podcast. She helps thousands of men and women on their journeys through the conversations on her podcast, social media platforms, one-on-one relationship coaching, and online courses. She lives in Los Angeles, where she said she's paying that sunshine tax (laughs) while we're still in the snow here. But she lives in the LA area and loves sunshine, walks Jesus, and listening to Celine Dion. Kate, welcome!
2: hey you guys so happy to be here today (laughs) we're so
0: glad to have you oh man we are so excited to hear some of your gospel journey as well as the heart of what you've written about and what you're really passionate about right now but first let's get to know you and our audience better with the question of the week from last week which is this which of snow whites seven dwarfs describes you the best and I always like remember six and I forget the seven. So I'm going to say the seven bashful, doc, dopey, grumpy, happy, sleepy, or sneezy. Kate, which one? <laughs> I forgot about sneezy. What? I'm like, who's
2: sneezy? What's sneezy about? You, okay. <laughs> I would say, and I feel like this is going to be the cheesiest one. I feel like I'm happy right Aww. now, but I just, I really do. I'm I love I love being joyous. And so uh, that's probably what people would say about me is that I'm like have a sparkle joy energy. But I'm especially right now, I just launched my book and I'm just feeling great. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know, every day has lots of feels. Let me be honest. But for the most part, I would say I'm happy right now.
0: (laughs) I love that so much. Steve, what about you?
1: Well, first of all, I really liked what uh, Victor posted on Facebook. Uh, He posted a quiz which of the seven dwarves are you and he said according to this very official quiz i'm happy which i'd agree with i think
0: that you're happy steve
1: uh, no that's what victor said
0: oh oh he I agrees would, with yes. happy yes, yes i
1: would say probably sleepy because <laughs> yes. i just love a good nap <laughs> and sleeping in on a saturday
0: i like that tell uh, the truth yes yep. tell that truth okay i liked what jennifer had to say and she said, can I combine two into slumpy, sleepy and grumpy? <laughs> um, I just thought that was funny. And I wouldn't say I'm sleepy, grumpy. I, people who know me best would probably say I'm dopey, uh, an element of dopey. So it's probably Doc Dopey actually is like, oh, you know, I have a thought about that. Of course I do. Therefore, (laughs) the (laughs) podcast microphone. But then at the same time, if you know me well, I just do dumb stuff. Uh, And there are my sister who is also my best friend, my little sister. She I was like, this is something you may never, ever tell anyone. And then she's like, I'm going to live stream it right now. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. So you got to have a little little dopey in you. Man. (laughs) Okay. Let's circle back to you. The purpose of this this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so I want to ask you the set of questions that we've asked every guest for the last 169 episodes. And it's this. What is the gospel meaning to you. If the gospel is, I am more loved than I can imagine and yet more sinful than I believe, when was the gospel? First good news for you, Kate. And how is it still today?
2: I love this. And girl, when I was like thinking about this question, I was like, man, I love that you guys do this, by the way. Uh Amazing. Bravo. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, But as I think about that, how do I feel more love than ever, but still simple in so many ways? Man, I was just like, well, gosh, I mean, thinking about the book I just wrote and my story in that book, like that is that is it. Like That is it. Right. But, uh, you know, my testimony is I. I grew up um, in a tumultuous home, and I love my parents, but I was really fighting for their attention. They were really you know, focused on the issues they had, which I don't fault them for, but that was just my experience as a right. child. Right. I grew into some tendencies, one of those tendencies being performance, and secondary tendency from that is needing validation from men. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point in my life, I really associated God with the same that I associated my dad at the time, which was somebody that was passive, that didn't really say like their feelings it so didn't express that I love you very much and that I needed to kind of earn the attention and approval of that father. And because I also put men in that category, I sought men and men and men and dating and dating and dating over in my life, um, leading up to lots of dating experiences. I am a dating coach. You don't get that title without lots of different experiences in your life. <laughs> Uh, and so I dated for 10 years back to back from 14 to 24. And the end of that stint, I was in a very terrible, abusive relationship, abusive in every way. And, um, after that relationship ended, lots of details there, um, I was at the lowest point in my life and, uh, I would venture to say that I hated myself. Um, mm. I blamed myself. I shamed myself. I thought it was completely all my fault. How could I be so stupid to stay with a guy who clearly was not treating me well? Right. Um, and if you've ever experienced um, abuse of any kind, even just emotional abuse, it's very mind warping. And there's a cycle that happens there. And so I was just stuck in that abuse cycle merry-go-round, but it really lowers your view of yourself. You are right. putting your identity in that relationship in that person So that's what happened to me. And when that relationship ended, I went on a retreat called Hearing the Voice of God. I was like, this sounds something like I, this feels like something I need right now. Right, right. And and, um, at that retreat was the first time I would say that I truly connected with the spirit, the spirit of God, where I really felt God envelop my heart in a brand new way. Mm-hmm. I would say up until that point, I knew God, I believed in Jesus, but I wasn't really, I would say it was a believer, not a follower, you know? So I believed in the things, I wasn't walking with God. And so it was in that moment that I was like, oh my gosh, it started breaking down these views of what I thought God was, which was passive. And then I could only come to him when I was perfect. Um, and I started really realizing in that moment that God loves me more than I ever imagined in my life. And even though I have sinned, and even though my past has been really difficult, those 10 years were really hard. Mm. He wants to love me and heal me and, and reveal my identity through him in a brand new way, because my identity had been so warped in performance and men. And so Lori, that took me on, obviously just a long journey of healing and, uh, never thought I'd be sitting here today, sharing stories like that. Uh, and it's only because of the confidence and the the healing and the courage he has put within me and the strength, I would say as well, in the healing journey to be able to share today. Uh, but I have such a heart for anybody who feels not enough, who feels broken, who feels like they hate themselves. Mm. And um, because I think in ways a lot of us do, even in little ways, like it could oh, yeah. be a low-grade fever of just self-hatred and not loving ourselves. But um, I believe that actually in and in, in knowing the true love of God, not just from our head, but to our hearts, right? Mm. Uh, and not just saying it, but truly knowing it transforms how we show up in so many areas of our lives, and especially in relationships and dating relationships, too. So yes. that's just a bit about what the gospel means to me, my testimony. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, So we recently had someone on who is not a dating coach, but feels actually called to singleness. And I just asked him this question because we get it a lot. We talk a lot about the intersection Mm -hmm. between marriage and sexuality and the church. And so I'm just curious, how did you, did you have a season of discerning a call between marriage or singleness or to just feel like this just seems right? Like how did you and how maybe do you discern that?
2: Yeah. So I would say there were seasons where I felt called to not date. Yeah. Uh, so in in the, the version of my story, you know, 10 years dating nonstop, uh, I recognized I needed a break. Like Mm -hmm. I needed to stop getting my identity from men, relationships, all that, that, but I will say to that point, marriage, that was always a desire on my heart that was Mm -hmm. still there. But in that season, it was really important for my journey to release that entirely. I'm talking releasing even male friendships for me. It was such like an addiction almost like I was addicted to the validation. So I took season off a hundred percent when your arm is broken you need to take a you need, it needs to go in a cast yep. and you need to not move it for a while until you could start getting physical therapy and you're in a good place right you take the mm-hmm. cast off and all that so i like the i had a cast and i just could not engage in dating for a few years actually mm-hmm. there were times lori if i'm honest i was like maybe, maybe oh, this guy, you know, and I was like tempted and I gave it a shot for like a week or two. And then I was like, nope, I cannot <laughs> be doing this. This is back to my focus. And God yeah. would be like, yeah, this is, you know, like I could feel Me. it so clearly on my heart. Yep. But at the end of the day, I I totally feel marriage is a desire in my heart. Um, and I, yet I don't believe my actively pursuing dating means that I'm not actively pursuing my single life. And I think mm-hmm. that's where I see a lot of people. Um, kind of putting dating as like this on this pedestal or marriage on this pedestal. And then they lose out on the beauty of this actual time in their life, which is singleness. So I'm like, I believe I can be active and pursuing dating in my life and pursuing marriage and, and, actively a part of my singleness life and living a whole amazing full singleness life journey. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel called to singleness for the rest of my life, for sure. Uh, that's not something God has put on my heart to this date, <laughs> to mm-hmm. this point in time. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I like love, I have cultivated just a rich singleness life and, and I'm dating and I love it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's, it's the both, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. I hear you. Okay. So your book is called, thank you for rejecting me. Why, thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, here's the deal. That is not what you say at first, Lori.
2: Yeah, when right. somebody rejects you. And we're talking about lots of rejections here, not just heartbreak, even though that's probably the most obvious for me as a dating coach, all sorts of rejection. Uh, but the reason why I called this Thank you for rejecting me is I think that over time we get to that place where we can say, whether we say it to the person or not, we can say it to our hearts. We feel like I'm thankful that that happened in some way Mm. because I needed that season to heal. I needed that season to uh, figure out more about myself, more about God, that season That having that season after that rejection led me to develop a passion in my heart for this thing that I never would have really seen before, had the time and space to focus on before. And maybe that season led you to step into your calling. So I believe that the thank you for rejecting me has the undertone message of, you know, rejection is going to redirect you to something, to somewhere in God's timing, not right away, right? We don't see it right away. That is very much like when rejection hits, it's hard, it's painful, it hurts. Um, it, it, We don't really understand it. When pain happens to us, we usually, we're not going to really get it right away, you know? And I mm-hmm. think that's God's kindness actually for not, us to not understand all the reasons for why ba- those bad things, painful things happen. But we know the character of God and we know that through time he is a good god and we can cling to hope so for me when i've looked back in my life so many of my rejections have led me to something so much greater and that's like not in like a month it's not in 6 months you know it's on a scale of time mm-hmm. but that's where i'm like thank you for rejecting me it made me who i am today that mm-hmm. rejection led me to face something it redirected me to something and i would never go through i never choose to go through that pain again but at the same time I see now why God used that season after that rejection t- in my life in a beautiful way. Mm. But I also think we have a choice in that, Lori. Like we have to actively participate in the healing and how we're facing rejection. And part of why I wrote this book is because we're not dealing with it well after it happens, you know? Yeah.
0: So, what's that? process like because if I think about someone who's listening well let's just go there first what are some ways we can be rejected because you know dating is a way but like parents can God reject Mm -hmm. us like how what's where's some avenues of rejection we can experience
2: yeah. So I see rejection as like this umbrella and then the spokes of umbre- the umbrella are all different forms in which we feel rejection. Yeah. When you say the word rejected, like I'll say it to you, Lori, when yeah. I say rejected rejection, what comes up for you?
0: Yeah. Right. Like I can, you know, think of just a feeling of someone being like looking at you and being like, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, whether it's junior high, I've, I've yes. got some wounds I probably still need to grieve through. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll think of a junior high trying to get in yes. with the coolest crowd. And yep. then they were like, no.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I wrote about that exact story for me as well in chapter four of my book, which is called, sorry, not sorry. And it was all about me trying to fit in with all the different crowds. And this can be at a young age. It could still be when you're older too. Feeling like, wait a second, all these moms around me or all these people around me are married at me as a single person. Where do I fit in now? (laughs) Like, you Mm -hmm. know, everyone has their, you know, I just feel like I'm not invited. Um, Mm. And so I think it's like, what does what that conjure up for you? For for me, I think where I break down in the book, but it's it's fitting in. It's trying to fit in with the crowd and not feeling like accepted, not feeling a sense of belonging. It's obviously that feeling of heartbreak, but it can also be that feeling of abandonment from a family member early on, yeah. um, whether you had a family member leave or You just felt emotionally abandoned in your family upbringing. Um, That feels like a sense of rejection. Uh, I do write about things like abuse in the book and betrayal, and I think those are a form of feeling rejected. Like, how can this person do that to me? Mm -hmm. Uh, I also write about yeah, rejection from God. Why is this pain happening? God, are you like where are you in the midst of? Why is my life stagnant? Are you? I'm I'm doing the right things, and seemingly nothing's happening, or I keep having tornadoes in my life. And it can feel like God is on mute. God is silent amidst all of the pain. Uh, And then I would also say, Lori, there are ways, those are all external rejections. There's more too, but I would say there's ways that we self-reject as well. And I start the book out and I'm really passionate about also addressing the ways that we self-reject because if we don't address those first, then all the other external rejections will hit us so much harder. Like we will believe the lies that come with rejection so much quicker. If we don't, uh, if we already believe those things about ourselves,
0: you know, how do you do that though? Like, so if someone's listening right now, And they're like, yeah, yeah. wait, self-rejection, because I think that's huge. And, we, and we've talked about it a few times is, you know, scrolling through Instagram, you can feel rejected. Are they rejecting you? No, but you feel the rejection. And then it's yes. already tapping into maybe another word is like lies that we believe about ourselves, that I am worthless, that taps into father wounds. And also we just feel like garbage. And then we just turn on Netflix and numb it out. So yep. what can I ask just what, what do you do in that moment when when you're like, Ugh, I think. I think in this haze, there's a self-rejection. What do you do, Kate? Yeah, and
2: self-rejections can look like insecurity, yeah. which comes upon by a comparison. It can look yep. like a big one for for women and for guys though too is body shame, body image, and I'm rejecting my body. Like mm-hmm. someone's like, "You're beautiful," and immediately my thought is, "No, I'm not," or yeah. "I look fat today." Mm-hmm. Like you know, what is the thoughts that are playing in our mind? That's a self-rejection. Someone just gave me a compliment, and I'm not accepting it because I'm self-rejecting. Um, and then there's self-hatred, just little ways like, "Why are you too loud? Why are you too expressive?" why are you mm-hmm. so awkward? Like we just, these little ways where we are just sending these signals to ourselves that like, we're never going to be good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so for me, I would say the first thing you need to do is those li- little lies, those, um, or maybe they're bigger lies. Those yeah. things uh, didn't just spread out up out of nowhere. So I think the, the most important thing is we have to go on a journey of compassionate curiosity and say, where did these things come from? Um, and I think before we even do that, Lori, we need to get to some point where we are f- like fed up, where we're mm. like, oh, heck no. These things are not going to rule my life anymore. Mm. This belief system of me believing I'm fat or ugly or never enough for a guy or not interesting enough or whatever it is, like that's not serving me. And it's yeah. clear that that's affecting how even I talk to somebody, um, how I show up in my work, how I put myself out there. And I just don't want to do that anymore. So you have to personally get to a point of being fed up because nobody can make you do that. Like you have to get to that point of, you know, pick up your mat and walk, right? So mm. what is your fed up moment? Um so once you get to that fed up moment, then it's like, well now we have to have compassionate curiosity and see where did these lies begin? Where did the did someone speak that over you at a young age? Was that a belief system that you formed in your childhood or in adolescence or from a guy you dated or whatever it was? Let's identify it. And uh, once we identify it, then we need to start reconciling with it. Um, And a lot of that, I end every chapter of my book with, an apology or not an apology, a thank you letter. But in Mm -hmm. those thank you letters are apologies. Chapter one is about insecurity and body shame. And so I end that chapter apologizing to my body and thanking it for all the ways that it's served me through my life and apologizing for the ways I've ignored it or shamed it or told it it wasn't enough. But like, here it is every day still serving me, you know, Mm -hmm. and functioning and just, you know, that's, it's like an organism, right? Our bodies are like living and alive and we are treating our bodies so terribly. And so reconciling with yourself means really apologizing to those areas of yourself. And um, and then you got to start the the process of, you know, agreeing with love over your life instead of agreeing with the lies. And I think it's a process of doing that. But as, as you pointed out, Lori, that I'll quickly uh, tap into. You got to recognize what are the things that um, uh, will more easily trigger you into those mindsets. So, is it the scroll on Instagram or is it that girl you're following? Which maybe there's nothing wrong with that girl, but right now while I'm healing my mind, I just don't need to see her profile. I'm going to mute it. You know, like mm-hmm. right now, I know my tendency is I'm a little bit I'm healing, so it's, I'm a little weak. I don't need to. Watch that girl's like perfect little life on Instagram and compare everything about my life to hers. So, what is it? Is it your tendency for binging out to Netflix? Is it your tendency to isolate? What are your numbing techniques? Um, And being really careful to set up kind of you know bumpers in your own life as you start working through some of those lies of rejection or your own self-rejections.
0: Is that possible to do on your own? Because I'm I'm picturing I'm married to a therapist and he's like. Yeah. One of his, you know, one of his uh, thoughts, thought process, it's it's helpful. I'm always, I'm always on the edge of like, okay, how much can I say without turning into his client? Hmm. (laughs) And so there's a fine line Uh, anyway, (laughs) but there, if, if you, if your issues where the insecurity is arising on Instagram It's interesting because we can keep going back like a dog to his vomit to the very place to like get the happy hormone release, but then we feel worse there. And so like, is it possible to get that fed up moment and walk away on our own and then even process on our own? Or do we need helpers? We
2: totally need helpers. I'm Mm -hmm. a big fan. I mean, like I'm huge on that. And also what you're saying is that whole mentality of I'm strong enough for that. And at some point we just need to recognize I'm not. And there doesn't need to be shame attached to that. It's mm-hmm. just, hey, I am weak and I do need help here, you know, and I, I need I can't look at that right now. It's like when I go through a breakup and the guy's like, I'm, I'm okay being friends with you, still talking to you. And I'm like, that's okay for you. Yeah. That doesn't work for me. Like, I can't see what you're doing. I don't want to see you right now. I don't want to talk to you right now. And I'm not going to pretend even a month into the breakup that I can see that person because I could still be very tender. You know, we just yeah. need to know what we need, take ownership of that, and then get the help that we need. For me, this is I mean, I definitely have a community of helpers, you, the therapist, 100 uh, percent, you know, having your rhythms and your own personal disciplines of a lot of times in rejection, are it feels like a chaotic like tornado. And what are your rhythms and routines and how are you practicing uh, spiritual disciplines in your life? And it's more important for me than ever in my wake of pain to make sure that those things are happening mm-hmm. uh, and that my my day starts off very specifically. I need it every day, but, you know, sometimes life. But in pain and those seasons, it's more important than ever to have those disciplines for yourself, accountability with that and just having close people. I wouldn't say everybody needs to be invited into your pain, but you need to have a few close, close people that are, you know, pouring into you, you're pouring into them. They are the people that will check in on you, bring you flowers for no apparent reason, just because they love you and cuddle with you on the couch. You can cry. You can literally the people that you can reprocess the same thing with like three times. Mm -hmm. And they're still like, I love you. (laughs) Yep, We talked about this three times, but I still love you. So Mm. it's and and you got to be honest with them. That comes at the, at the cost of being willing to be vulnerable with those close people in your life to say, hey, I'm really struggling with my body image right now, the way I see myself, my attractiveness. So if you hear me say something negative about myself in that capacity, would you call me out? Like, mm-hmm. would you just redirect me to the truth? I need some of that help right now.
0: That's so good. And guys, if you're listening right now and you're like, I actually don't have those helpers that she was just talking about, those friendships, those close relationships right now. I know loneliness perhaps has superseded COVID right now as a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, Just start with praying. God sees you and he's there. He wants to hold you and hear you and you can cry out to him for help at any moment. Hey guys, it's Lori, and Matt, and Steve. Hey guys, we have recently discovered a new to us translation of the Bible called the Christian Standard Bible. And you know what? We love it.
1: (laughs) Currently we really like the Holy Land Illustrated Edition. Yeah,
0: I love that one because I've never been to Israel or Turkey (laughs) or anything. And so to like see those places while I'm reading. Yeah,
1: it just, it makes you feel like, uh, like you're experiencing it without having to drop a few thousand dollars to do so.
0: Uh, yeah so guys if you want to check out this holy land illustrated bible visit csb illustrated and we'll put that link in the show notes kate you write really beautifully just about your own journey of walking through sexual shame and rejection can you talk about that for a little bit because there may be someone listening who's like OK, when I listen to the lies I'm saying or some of the self-rejecting messages and I start to follow the trail back in my own heart, it hits maybe a trauma wall or at least like uh, I don't even know what to name what that was. As, and it relates to their sexuality. Can you talk about that journey for you? Yeah, absolutely.
2: <clears throat> oh, I loved writing this chapter, by the way, mm. uh, because. I I wanted to include it so badly and we I was like to my editor I was like we need to include it early on the book because this one this is important Um, yeah so as I shared I was really into men at a young age and part of this whole seeking validation from men was also getting involved sexually with men because I thought that's you know that's what they're gonna want that's what they wanted this is my inner thought like the performance mentality is whatever I can do to make them want me Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just do it Uh, eventually when I was 16 I got into a relationship with a guy. We were a part of a Bible group and we were in the culture of purity movement. I kiss dating goodbye, all of that jazz. Mm. And uh, we were really uh, impacted by that in this group. And so uh, when everyone found out we were dating, they were like, wait, 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 you guys are dating? Like you're supposed to ask permission to be able to date. And I was like, oh, like, I thought I just talked to my parents. I didn't know I need y'all's permission, but okay. Um, so we had to have a meeting with this Bible group leader. And Lori, this is not a joke. Like, there was a piece of paper with rules on it. And they were like, here's all your rules if you want to date. And then you agree to courtship. So you're going to come and meet with this Bible group leader every two weeks as you prepare for marriage. And I'm like, I'm 16. Like, I don't know if I want to agree with all these things. And <laughs> the rules were very, like, sexual rules. Like, no, sit, sit next to each other with only only sit next to each other with two pillows at all times. Uh, your faces cannot be 12 inches, closer than 12 inches apart. Um, wow. No blankets usage, like only hand holding only on occasion, only dating in groups, never being alone, like literally <laughs> this list of things. And I'm like, okay, like I, I felt so much com- confliction there. And what ended up happening is this message was just, you know, pounded into us of like, Mm -hmm. do not have sex or you will die kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Mean girl style. "Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I was like, Okay. Well, what ended up happening is we ended up having sex and it was horrible. I felt so terrible after the shame just immediately came in. I remember crying the next day after that. I met up with this guy that I was dating and I I like gave him a copy of my brother's book, which was every young man's battle. I had every young woman's battle. And I was like, we are reading these all day long and this can never happen again. And I was like, we can't tell anyone. We have to figure this out. Like, what Mm. would people think of us? So it started this um, journey of just shame that we were trying to mitigate just between the two of us. We didn't feel safe to share that with people. We thought we'd be rejected by the church leaders, by our community. And so we kept it quiet. We kept it hidden, but the shame was eating away at us and mm-hmm. we couldn't stop the cycle. We kept engaging in sexual activities and just more shame and more shame. And then once you get into that pit, it becomes like a, a domino effect. Yep. You, you keep doing things, but then you're stuck in shame and you don't feel the love and the grace. And so, and you don't have a place to share about it. Uh, other messaging that happened for me was, you know, just messaging I got as a woman that like, for me, it's my job to mitigate the man's. Uh, sexual desire. And uh, for me, that was like, never make your brother stumble. Right. And so it was like, uh, what do I wear? Is is what I'm wearing always constantly making him stumble? Or is it just the way I look at them? And there's a lot of things where I put that much more pressure on myself as a woman to like mitigate the sexual thing that was going on between Mm -hmm. me and this boyfriend or me and any other man. Right. And my, my story goes that eventually years later after this guy, I was in. I was sexually assaulted by somebody I knew, and uh, at the it took me years, Lori, to actually admit that that was sexual assault. Girl, because yeah. right after it, I was like, "It's my fault. I must have. Maybe it was what I was wearing. Maybe I, it was like I should have. I, as the woman, should have made sure that wasn't happening. It was me that sent this man the signals because of so much programming that, like me as a woman, it's my job, and uh, and it wasn't. Years later, somebody asked me, "Have have you been raped?" I was like, what? And nobody had ever asked me that question. And it was this like really painful moment of realizing that I had stuffed down this trauma in my life. And it hadn't just been one time. There were mm. other situations and I it the box came exploding out, yep, you know. As
0: it does. And
2: oh my gosh. And so then I went on a journey of wow. Okay. My sexuality is. I have just put so much shame in that bucket for so long. Me as a woman and what that means and my relationship with men. And it has taken me years. And still, I will admit that I'm on the journey of just breaking down all the pieces that led me to so much sexual shame and coming back to the truths of like, what does God say about sex, sexual desire, us as sexual beings, and how can I personally connect to the beauty of that um, and have lots of conversations with God about it? I think the the missing part of the purity culture and granted, I don't think all of it was bad. I think they, you know, there was good intentions in some ways. However, I believe that the messaging was very shaming and very shoulding, like you should do this. You should not do this. And you know, it, it, And when you do it like that, that legalism, it separates you from under a true deep understanding of who Mm. I am, my body, my beauty, my sexuality, and what God actually says about that. And um, I think in order to walk in a beautiful sexual ethic, we need to have a deep rooted personal understanding of those things because in a heated moment, it's not going to be enough. Like, (laughs) and, and, um, It'll either lead me to be so disconnected from my body that like I can't even touch somebody else like a, a hand graze. It feels weird or it leads me to potentially engage in sexual th- activity, but feeling so much shame and and like really thinking that that's my identity is like a shameful woman. Uh, so. Man, I'm just such a big fan of people working through this because most of the people impacted by the purity culture were Millennials and yeah. um you know there a lot of Millennials are still single today with the statistics so uh and and how do we balance that now being single in our late 20s and our 30s and whatever age we are mm-hmm. feeling so disconnected from our bodies uh, I, as soon as the you you get it you this you guys are so passionate about this but as soon yeah. as the word sex is brought up I feel like everyone's like i know it's like this it's whole thing yeah. you're like okay
0: everyone but all right like we're gonna be okay yeah, yeah we're, we're gonna be fine yep. if, yeah. if you could go back to that 16 year old self maybe even right after when you woke up the next day and you grab what was the book that you uh every woman's battle every man's battle yeah. and let's say you were your own uh small group leader and Mm. you knew what you knew today, what would you, what would you say to her Mm. that day after? Oh yeah. I would just be like,
2: Oh honey, I love you. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Share with me whatever you need to share. This is a safe place. I do not judge you. Um, and you are loved and you are not broken and you're beautiful. And, um, Share with me. I'm just here to listen and support you and be with you. So share mm-hmm. whatever you need to share. I think, man, if someone just would have given me the space to share and yeah. created a safe place to land um, for me to like open up about that, I it would have transformed transform so much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Lori, I believe in that conversation, I wouldn't have just wanted to go to now let's figure out how to behavior modify. Yeah. I just needed a place to for somebody to first share mm-hmm. and have that. And I think there's so much of this too that in our hearts, God is speaking to us. Like if I have a place to share and to be loved and to understand God's love, it does transform the way I want to walk out my life. Yep. <laughs> it really does
0: and i think some of our anxious fretting and rules 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 and we can't even say the word sex but you better not do it or you will die uh, is i think underneath that can be originated and we don't actually trust god we don't actually trust that god loves little kate little young high school kate and junior high kate who's wrestling through these things and that um he has her in his hands and we don't need to be so write the script for her can we trust god with people that we're discipling even even our kids even uh those if we're in junior high or high school youth leadership can we trust god with these kids yes teach but you are so right. Having safe spaces where we don't fret and bite our nails, because God is never fried, fretting or biting His nails. Mm-hmm. If someone is listening, um, first, please go get this book and check it out. Let's let's read about these rejections at different types and just the process that you went through and and just the kindness to yourself. But then too, if they're listening and they're like, okay maybe they feel called to marriage and this dating space uh or maybe they're in a marriage or called a singleness space and they're just trying to get through their this phase of 2021 pain And they're like well how how can i even get out there how can i get that out there and date how can i get back into the world from this hidden space i've been in perhaps during COVID season how healed do i need to be of these rejections to take the next outward step what would you say to them in in response to how healed do i need to be to move forward
2: yeah that's a great question You know, I really, I don't believe we ever reach a perfect level of healing. Now I'm perfectly ready to date because the reality is dating brings up a lot of things for us. So you may think you've arrived and then you start dating and you're like, okay, things are coming up (laughs) Mm. because things, different things come up as you date than just having friendships. To be honest, It, it really brings up so many other things for us. So just knowing that dating is part of the process also of understanding more about ourselves and it brings up things that you will have to work on. It absolutely will. Um, That's what intimate relationships do. And so I would say though to that person, like what is your belief system about yourself? That's the most important um, before dating. Because I see a lot of women, I encourage a lot of women, especially put yourself out there and I encourage a lot of guys to do this too, but a lot of times they'll put themselves out there and it won't go well. Like the guy's not interested. They just want to be friends. And then I see them crumbling like, oh my gosh, this one rejection has destroyed my, like destroyed my view of dating. I can't ever put myself out there again. And I am like, okay, we need to work on, how you're showing up and putting yourself out there. Mm. Because if you're putting so much weight in that rejection, you're looking for that person to confirm that you're worthy and you're valuable. And it means you don't truly already believe that. Uh, so an exercise I, I encourage people to do is we write down like the things we're looking for, you know, everyone has some sort of non-negotiable list of like, here are the things I really desire and a partner. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I think you should have a few things, not like a million things, but like at least five core things that you are looking for. And then other things will complement that as you move towards dating them. Uh, and you'll figure those out through time, but ask yourself, what do I really know what I bring to a relationship? write a list of the things that you bring to a relationship and 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 ask god like what are the how have you uniquely formed me what are my unique passions my unique view on life and if you have trouble with figuring this all out then ask a close friend in your life like those friends are friends with you for a reason they are choosing you to be in their life for some reason for reason form fashion whatever and so ask them like why what do i bring to your life why are you friends with me i'm trying to figure this out and <laughs> Write, write down a list. What do you bring to a relationship? Pray over that list, speak that list over yourself so that when you put yourself out there, it's it's less of, I need this person to like me. And it's more, your mind transforms of like, I know my worth and value. If they don't like me, it doesn't mean that these things aren't true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say this all the time, Lori, just because they're not interested doesn't mean you're not interesting. Mm-hmm. So- Mm-hmm. It just because they're not interested doesn't mean you're not interesting, beautiful, right. wonderful, special, and so. But do you know those things? True, and then if you if you do know them as truth, if you start walking in that sort of confidence and that worthiness, then when it doesn't work out, you are like, okay, this, this is that's fine. I'm proud of myself for for having the confidence and the boldness to put myself out there. I am. I'm proud of myself for being active in my dating life and trying to get out there and do something, but it's not going to stop me. That little rejection, that no, doesn't mean they're not rejecting all of me. They're just rejecting this moment. They're saying, Mm. no, it's not for them. There could be a plethora of reasons for why. And some of those reasons may have nothing to do with you, uh, but we like (laughs) to personalize that so deeply. So there is not a perfect moment of I'm ready to date. But do you know what you bring to a relationship? Um, why are you putting yourself out there? Ask yourself your intention behind that. And once you can get to a health a healthy place with those things, I, you should just start practicing it. Truly mm-hmm. start practicing putting yourself out there. Um, and if you do and something comes up for you, great. What an awesome opportunity to be curious on whatever is coming up for you right now. Yeah. Um, and then that's just, you know, we can learn through all of that. I think dating – is an awesome learning experience oh my gosh like you learn so much about yourself
0: yeah (laughs) exactly oh i love it so kate i this is the last thing that's just popped in my mind when you've gotten rejected what is your prayer like how how do you bring that to god and what does he tell you about who you are
2: yeah so when i get rejected first of all my Mm -hmm. prayers usually are like god this sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first thing is I always encourage people like be real with God about the pain you're feeling and invite him into that. I call it, you know, praying through my tears where I, especially depending on the, the weight of the rejection, I'm crying on the ground. I'm lamenting and I'm inviting him into that. Like yep. two thirds of the Psalms, you know, I'm crying out to God like this, it really pained me. Like, why is this happening? And inviting him into all of that. Um, And what I usually do, Lori, is in the wake of a rejection, we want to see six months ahead. We want to know next week, next month, and we want to see the future. And we just, it's overwhelming. And so my prayer usually to God in the wake of the rejection is, God, would you give me the grace just to handle today? Yeah. And then the next day, can you give me the grace just to handle today? Mm-hmm. And each day waking up, please just give me the grace just to handle today as it comes and taking each step day by day, just asking for the grace you need for that specific day. Um, the world is too overwhelming to think of six months from now when you go through a big rejection. So take it day by day with God, invite him into all the tears and all the pain. And that's what I have to do. I, I just ask. Give me the grace just to handle today. I don't know what I, I'm gonna be like next week. I don't know. But today I just need your grace for whatever comes. So that's what I would say.
0: Amen. Amen. And guys, that's that's what we can all be saying today. Uh is God, will you give us the grace for today? I totally agree with that. Sometimes it's this hour, <laughs> this next yes. 10 minutes. Uh but Man, I really appreciate that. Kate, thanks so much for joining, sharing uh, just pieces of your story and and exhorting us, encouraging us if we're experiencing rejection, just to how to really take that pain to God, how to process really practical steps and then, all right, how how can we get back out there? Thank yeah. you.
2: Thanks, Lori. This was amazing. You are an amazing interviewer and I love uh, connecting with you. <laughs> thanks so
0: much. Oh, guys, man, go check out Kate's. Thank you for rejecting me transform pain into purpose, and learn to fight for yourself wherever you get your books. We do have a question of the week for next week. You can find me on the socials to respond to it. Just find Lori Krieg and I post it there. Here's the question. What household chore do you not mind doing? Again, you can respond when I post it on the socials or email us with the answer or anything else you want to chat with us about at podcast at lauricrieg.com. Thank you again, Kate Warman, for joining us today. And for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week.